0: hey guys and happy monday slash happy beginning of november i can't believe it's already november that is pretty insane to think about but um i'm so so excited about this episode it's been a long time coming but I am just so I feel so privileged and it's really crazy just how I feel like so in so many ways my life has come full circle um, that I am recording with someone who was actually in the Nixium cult which um, I talked about in a previous episode because I was um, someone attempted to recruit me into this cult. So if you don't know about much about Nixium, it's spelled N-X-I-V-M. Just do a quick Google search to learn more about the cult. Um, but yeah, I'm speaking with Sarah Edmondson, who was a one of the main characters, isn't the right word, but main people shown in the HBO documentary, The Vow, and um, she's just sharing her story about what it was like to be recruited into a cult and really be there for a long time and ultimately escape and it's just a really powerful story i encourage everyone to buy her book i listen to it on um audible and she narrates it so it's awesome and yeah i just really encourage you all to listen before i jump into the episode sarah i do want a quick plug for talkspace um talkspace is the largest online counseling uh teletherapy platform in the space <laughs> no pun intended but it's really an incredible way to get started with therapy. 60% of users are, um, who try Talkspace are actually new to therapy, which I think is so cool because I obviously have been, you know, speaking to a counselor for quite some time. So I'm a veteran, but um, it's, if you're, you know, looking to get started with therapy and don't really know where to go, Talkspace is a great place to start, especially nowadays when there's, you know, so many waiting lists to actually get to speak with um, counselors in person. So, encourage you to try it out. I also can give you a great discount of $100 off your first month of therapy. So if you go to Talkspace.com and use the code Zoe, you will get $100 off your first month of therapy. So no strings attached, just give it a shot. Uh, that's Talkspace.com and use the code Zoe, Z-O-E at checkout for $100 off your first month of therapy. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, hearing how you guys, what do you guys think of therapy? But Anyways, without further ado, here is Sarah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so honored to be here with Sarah Edmondson, who is a defector of which is a new word I've learned of the Nixium cult and author of *Scarred*: the true story of how I escaped Nixium, the cult that bound my life. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to speak to you today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited too. So, if you don't mind, just kind of starting off by telling me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? If you care to share, where'd you yeah. grow up? It's not top
1: secret anymore. I'm 44, (laughs) but I grew up in Vancouver. I'm Canadian, born and raised. Um, And my parents are sort of former left-wing hippie activists. I have been an actor since I was a teenager. Uh, I did that for many years. And then I was at a certain point in my early 20s, I was feeling Like it wasn't fulfilling enough. It wasn't meaningful enough. I wasn't sure about my purpose and all those big existential questions. And I heard about a group that, um, was promising personal and professional development and, uh, humanity and community and all these things that sounded really great to me. And I ended up taking a course, which led to a 12 year stint in a group that turned out to be a cult. And when I figured that out, um, my husband and I and a group of people decided to expose them and bring the the leader of this group to to justice. And he's now in prison for 120 years. How's that for the short version?
0: <laughs> That's like the craziest thing to look back on. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine. Um, but I guess kind of backtracking. Yeah. So how did you first get involved with attending like how did you hear about the executive success programs run by Keith Renier and like what were you doing at that point in your life you mentioned you know it was I call it the sat I think it's the Jupiter return or Saturn return when you're 23 mm-hmm. it's like astrology 20, but,
1: 27 oh okay
0: then yeah, 20, yeah 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 26 27, 27 yeah one of them is 26 27 one of them is 23 24 oh yeah okay around and that then, time yeah when you have like two existent- existential crises so um yeah, what was kind of like? How'd you come to like find it?
1: Yeah, you know what? A lot of people have uh, existential crises at that time. I've, I've I've since learned that that's very normal, right? So at that time, I was um, with my my boyfriend at the time. It was a filmmaker made a film that got into a, a film festival called the Spiritual Cinema Circle Festival at Sea, and it was on a cruise. And I was like, oh my god, we're gonna meet all these amazing filmmakers that are doing. Um, you know, more important works versus like the, the, the beer commercials and the vampire shows that I was doing. And so I thought, Hey, great. Like, this is be perfect. And we also knew that the film, the filmmaker who did what the bleep do we know, which I really liked at the time, um, my opinions of, of it have since changed as I've evolved myself. But at the time I was like, it was a groundbreaking film and we were going to meet the filmmaker. And that was really exciting. And we did, and we had a, you know, a conversation with him and spent most of that week uh, on this cruise, which is like this heightened magical experience, um, and he said, "Oh, you know, if you like my film, you'd probably really like this course that I just came out of." He had just taken it as a student, so he referred me to it. And um, I, at that time, was really into setting intentions and like this is a sign from the universe. I've asked for, you know, I've asked for like to understand my purpose, and here, you know, here's a here's an opportunity. So I took that as a as an affirming. Yes, sign that I should be moving forward with this. And truthfully, I didn't research it. I didn't, um, you know, Google it until my first day of the training, unfortunately. And then it was it was too late to get my money back. But uh, yeah, I jumped in, you know, based on trust, based on you know, wanting all the things I just mentioned. And i i got uh, I got into a five day training about three about three weeks or a month later that happened to be the first one in Canada. So it was really, um, it seemed very, you know, um, in like the alignment of everything was all there for me to just jump in and be really open. And I was really open at the same time. I was also very skeptical because my parents are therapists and I've done a lot of personal development and a lot of other workshops. So I was like, you know, I was back and forth between like, I want change. And then like, you know, what are you going to teach me? I know everything, (laughs) you know? So, but I was, I was open enough and all the things that were you know were weird and there was you know my, my book talks about this a lot right from the beginning so many red flags that they explained away really succinctly and also if I ever went to somebody that I trusted namely Mark the filmmaker he would just be like yeah I know it's weird but be like wait till day three and then like then it'll all make sense you know and I go "Want I want to get my money's worth so I stuck it out till day three. <laughs> And then yeah. I did, and then I did have really, really big shifts, and shifts enough so that by the end of day five, I was like, "This is the best thing ever." All my friends need this. We're going to change the world with this curriculum. Another red flag if your thing that you're a part of is like saying they're going to change the world with their thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a
1: bit of a warning sign. Anyway.
0: Yeah, I was going actually. My my next question was kind of like how in the like for those first kind of three days you mentioned this both in the book and the HBO documentary, like you weren't really impressed, I guess. What was that breakthrough that, um, you know, made you then think it's the best program ever?
1: You know, it wasn't necessarily one breakthrough and so many people try to figure that out with me. It was a number of things, um, sort of the whole collective, this is a therapy word gestalt, like the whole, the whole thing of it was, was so transformative. I felt like you know and I, I said this after i left i felt like my operating system if you're gonna look at the body as a computer yeah. <laughs> it w- that the whole thing got upgraded the whole thing um but namely i had very big shifts around my relationship to like myself like how i how i felt and viewed and loved myself or didn't around value um and around money and around my self-esteem and I had I felt like I had all these new tools for communication and projection and um, you know, just really understanding what was working in my life and what wasn't and why and how I could fix it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, when I talked to, um, Dr. Rachel Bernstein a while back, we were talking a lot about like the types of people who are most vulnerable to be recruited into cults or, you know, in, be pulled into relationships with narcissists and it tends to be people who like are empathetic and also in a point in their life when they're you know unsure of themselves or you know maybe their mental health is at a low and they're not really loving themselves they need to find some way to you know fix them that's definitely how how I was kind of recruited into Nixiem was like oh like
1: wait you were yeah. recruited
0: yeah or in, into uh by by mark oh you
1: actually did the course
0: no 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 i didn't do the course but like oh he tried to in, recruit you yeah yeah yeah. okay
1: he didn't actually recruit you no okay oh few. okay i thought you had when you said recruited i thought that that you meant the attempts were no, successful. like poached
0: like poached and, and almost successful like okay so very, he
1: very he, he attempted it. to get you in but he didn't succeed mm-hmm, okay exactly. okay few. though i got a little worried there for a minute
0: yeah, no, but at that time in my life, like I was experiencing depression for the first time mm-hmm. and like Mark, I have Tourette's. So that's why I admired him so much and he was like, mm-hmm. This cured my Tourette's and I was like, Oh my god, why? Like how? Mm-hmm. It's like impossible. But mm-hmm. he's like, No, like they're all gone now and I was like, Okay. Um, but I was sorry, that was really <laughs> No no no, it's okay. Wanted. I did No, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't
1: know that. I didn't know. I didn't. And I didn't know that you had Tourette's. And, um, uh, cause it's not, you don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I guess you don't have a lot of visual tics or what do you, yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, I, it's not to the extent of like what yeah. he had with, yeah. um, I forget that special like kind of Tourette's where you like shout words of yeah. like profanity and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it's always been something I'm self conscious of. Yeah. It's gotten better, but like still the, Fourth grade, like trauma, right? Um,
1: and he then, reached like, out to you and tried to tried to get you through the Tourette's.
0: I actually init- initially reached out to him, and okay. then I just wanted to like thank him for. um I wrote my college essay on his speech that he gave at my high school, and when I was a sophomore, and like literally wrote like I admired him so much. I read his book, so I reached out and just like thanked him. I forget why; like, it was very random. Um, and he got back to me and was like, I'd love to schedule a Skype call to tell, tell you about this like ESP program I'm a part of. Um, so I got on the Skype call and he was telling me about it. and I was like, seems kind of expensive. Like, I don't really want to take time off from school. He's like, we well, can always go back to school. But like, when are you, when else are you going to, you know, whatever, take charge of your life? And he's like, let's just talk to your parents. Um, and then we had a Skype call. My parents on the line and he was like hyping them up about it and they're like we'd pay for it and i was like i just don't want to miss school so thank goodness i know thank god i was a nerd but like real um yeah but i guess like this was all way of kind of me asking do you like what about you do you think they saw that would make a successful nixium member i guess
1: what did they see in me then
0: yeah um
1: Well, let me backtrack for one second. I would agree. I just wanted to say that I agree that there isn't like one particular thing that makes somebody vulnerable or susceptible because I think all humans have moments of vulnerability. Like all humans hit spots where there's, you know, things aren't smooth, crossroads, crisis, sickness, breakups, change of jobs. And in those moments where you're unsure, have questions, or like you said, in your mid to late twenties when you're having existential crisis of who am I and what's my purpose? What am I doing here? What, what am I gonna do with my life? In those moments, if you meet somebody who you trust, who says they have answers or have a community or whatever it is that you're looking for, that's what makes someone susceptible. It's sort of like a perfect cocktail of being in that moment and meeting the right person. Or in this case, what's happening a lot right now is people being finding the right thing online Cause a lot of the, a lot of the culty things and, and a, inappropriate abuses, like the abuses of power situations are all coming from things that are like YouTube videos that lead to the,
0: yeah, the, that's the thing, crazy.
1: right? Yeah. So especially in COVID where people are at home and they're struggling and then they're like looking and then all of a sudden they find this thing and it makes sense and they're down the rabbit hole. But anyway, for me, what they, I think what they saw was somebody who's was very um, idealistic in terms of like big goals for it excuse me, changing the world and also very ambitious. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been that way. I've always been very hardworking and, you know, competitive to the point where like, you know, in grade 10 and there's, they're selling candy bars to raise money for this new TV for the classroom. Like I'll sell the most because I'm a good salesperson and I'm, you know, (laughs) don't take no for an answer. Right. (laughs) Something that my husband both loves and hates because he, he loves it when it Serves him, and I'm able to get into, you know, get a reservation for a restaurant that's full. But he hates it when I'm like, but could you take the garbage down now? How about now? How about now? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm very persistent. So I think the combination of things like also, I think what they saw in that I didn't recognize at the time is I have a big network. I'm very social. I have a lot of friends. I'm very loud and passionate, and I always have been about whatever it is that I'm into, mm-hmm. whether it's green juice and yoga. Now it's personal development. You know, before I got into Nexium, I had a women's group called, um, well, we just called it group actually, but we did the artist way, which is a book by um, Julia Cameron. Uh, and that book was amazing. And we like, we did it together. And I was sort of the impetus for creating that group with my, with a girlfriend of mine. And so, you know, this is like, oh guys, this is this other thing that we're doing. So it's like, there was always something I was doing and I was sharing and yeah. Hey, I'm still doing that. Like, <laughs> it's just now I have to make sure it's really healthy, um, celery juice whatever. Yeah. So I think that's partly what they saw in me is like, you know, um, but, it, but like I think a in terms connector, but I think they also were very good at manipulating from the beginning, my desire. And I think it was also very normal, though this was hard to reconcile at, at the beginning, you know, a, a need, a need and a want to be special. And they, they mm. gave that to me right from the beginning, you know, they, like, oh, like, they like Nancy would say, the head of the company would say, like, if, if we had more Sarah Edmondson's, this company would grow so fast.
0: You yeah, know, that kind like, of thing. Like um, kind of like love bomb you. Mm.
1: There was a lot of love bombing right from the beginning and also like special treatment. Like they invited me to do some extra coaching up in Alaska. So I got picked up on the Bronfman private jet to go up there. Like that was amazing if you've ever been on a private plane, it kind of ruins your, not. yeah, I've never, I haven't been since, but ever, you know, that, that, that kind of thing kind of, you know, it's exciting, especially in your, in your early, you know, late twenties.
0: Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. I'm like looking at my notes and real, and like you're reading my mind. Cause I, my next <laughs> question was literally, do you think like, well, first, when did you start switching from, just attending seminars to leading them and kind of I think what my next note was that in hindsight do you think that Keith and the other higher-ups saw charismatic qualities in you and, and like we kind of already answered that like yeah yes they saw that you were a social person um highly energetic but like what made you want to lead the the um, seminars well
1: I think it's also a certain quality like I've a- you know, always wanted to be a leader in my life. Like I was a camp counselor before that. And even before I got involved in Nexium, I always had like, my goal was to, to be an, it's so ironic, like I wanted to be an, I wanted to be an inspiration to young women. And I always thought that it was going to be acting and then I'd be an actor and then I'd have this platform and that would give me a voice to like help. When I had, I felt like I had a hard time as a teenager growing up. Uh, with bullying and, you know, just not fitting in and like just being really awkward. And it's like teenagers, like being a teenager is hard, you know? Yeah. So I kind of thought it was going to be that, that I would like, I, I didn't, and I really thought when I, when I first started doing my group with these, with my women friends, most of whom were actors, like, I was helping them with the things that they were struggling with. we were helping each other. It was like a, it was a very casual support group led by non-therapists, you know, mm-hmm. and we'd give each other advice. But when I, but I realized that I couldn't get people past certain issues, you know, there's one woman who had, had been molested as a, yeah. a woman. And I was like, I think you should see a therapist. Like, I don't know how to help you with that. Like, I'm not yeah. a trained, trained professional. And there's one woman who like kept hitting up against the same roadblocks. And so when I, when I did next game, I was like, guys, I found the tool set to like go deeper. And, you know, there was a time, go back to a little bit earlier in my life when I was deciding what to do in university and it was either psychology and be a therapist or be an actor. And both of them were different paths to similar goals to, you know, to promote certain values that were important to me. You know, I chose acting, but then now I had this opportunity to in many ways help people in the way therapy claimed to and still be an actor. So it was like kind of a win-win, you know? And I felt like I, when I first, when I first started, because um, to answer your question, going from being a participant to being like a coach or a leader, um, that that the onboarding for that is very quick within Nexium. It's like you take the take the five day, and they say all you have to do is finish the sixteen day and enroll two people, and then you can apply to be a coach. And I knew that I had to finish the 16 day because the first five days was so good. And my boyfriend at the time had already signed up for the whole thing. (laughs) So I was like, like, he can't do it and I'm going to not do it. So I'm going to do it. Um, And then, and then, yeah, I was a coach within like five months. I think I have to go back and look at my notes. It was very, very quick. And it probably would have been sooner had I been in Albany. I had to go to Albany to finish the 16 day. And, and then I got promoted like at that, at that training when I, when I, when I went, no, you know, I'm sorry. I went and finished the 16 day. Then I came back to repeat it and I came back with friends and that's when I got promoted because I'd brought in, brought in enough people. people.
0: Yeah. So that's so crazy.
1: Yeah. So it moved like it moved very, very, very quickly. And part of it was that I was helped so much. I wanted to be able to learn the process that helped other people to do that so much. That's what I wanted, yeah. like right from the beginning. I didn't, I wasn't like necessarily. I'm going to open a center and all that in Vancouver. Although I think I may have even said that on my first five day, like we need this in Canada. Like I'm going to bring this to Canada. I had no idea what I was talking about or what that even meant or how much work that would require. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a little stubborn though. I think that's another thing that like with a- that similar thing with acting. Like it's such a hard, challenging, ridiculous career to have you know, to try to, to be, to be a successful actor. But I have this part of me like, but I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to prove that I can do it. And the same thing Mm -hmm. with the XCM, like, but you think we're a cult? No, I'm going to prove to you that we're not. I'm going to prove to you that we can be successful. Like that's part of my personality too, which I have to be aware of, like, as a, as a bit of an Achilles heel, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that Mm -hmm. makes sense. I guess aside from like the curriculum itself and like the values and, you know, how you were seeing it as a way to give back. Were you equally as charmed by Keith as so many of the other women were, and like if so, <clears throat> or if not, what was it about him that was so charismatic? Because like objectively, he's a pretty ugly dude. Yeah, <laughs> like objectively, like he's objectively not looking-
1: he's not a hunk. No, objectively he's definitely not. You know, by the time here's something I've learned, and I've seen this in other groups since doing our podcast. And studying other cults, religions, everything, is that by the time you meet the leader, they're usually propped up to be something by the people around him. So they, they call it like the Greek chorus. And I'd I'd already done my 16 day where I spent every before every class going at the end of class going, thank you, Vanguard, you know, and people can't see me, but my hands are in prayer position and I'm bowing to Vanguard. Thank you, Vanguard. And there's so much tribute. There's a whole module called Tribute about how we pay tribute to the people who built value. Value or is anything that that um, is forward moving. Oh, God, I forgot the definitions, which I think is a good thing. It's a, it's a good side of my growth that yeah. I've forgotten all these ridiculous team terms. But anyway, he built value. And by the time I met him, I had a huge amount of respect for him. Mm-hmm. because of how it affected my life. And like, here's this, I mean, if, if you believe the propaganda, here's somebody who could is a smart, one of the smartest men in the world, top three IQs, humanitarian athlete, musician, opera singer, like what all the things, right. And now he's dedicating his life to helping people work through their emotional and physical limitations so they can be the best versions of themselves and change the world. Like amazing. Right. If that yeah. were true. And so by the time I meet him, I, I mean, I remember being like a little starstruck, but also a little bit like he's so weirdly like normal and slubbish. Like, yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure that I first met him at volleyball. This is not a clear memory for me. Cause that whole time is a very, was a big blur, but I'm pretty sure I met him for the first time at volleyball. And, um, I, I do remember being underwhelmed, and I also remember being like keeping him at a at a at a distance for a really long time. Whereas other women and people, even that I brought in, got very close to him. And there was a part of me that was like, "Why is he spending time with her when I'm the one who's like bringing in the most?" Like I was in their terms, I was built, I was building value by building the community and bringing people in, and he'd be spending time with other people. So it was almost a bit of a jealousy in terms of like why is he not spending time with me or going for walks with me but I would always be told like you have to reach out to him like he'll match your effort he matches effort for effort so he never pursued anybody you had to pursue him and I just mm-hmm. didn't feel comfortable doing it yeah and something I, don't, I think it was partly my intuition that something was like kind of off with him um yeah. and that I, I felt uncomfortable with him which I had decided was like my problem and, and and people had told me that was my problem. Like I just didn't like if I would know that I had grown when I felt comfortable around him, that was sort of what it, what I was. Yeah. Was being
0: taught. So it was like, it's so much gaslighting, so much gaslighting.
1: Yeah. Like and
0: everything even, was your fault or your problem. Yeah. Just, but it's honestly a good intuition that, you know, yeah, made I'm you so glad. Kind of like skeeved out, like for yeah. some reason you can't pull, like point on, uh, point to. But
1: well, and um, I, I was definitely skived out. And I also told myself at the time, like, because they they said never ask Keith something that you can find out on your own because it's not a good use of his time. His time's worth like ten thousand dollars an hour or whatever they whatever they said. So I would, if I could ask somebody else, I would. So I had nothing to ask him. I was like, that's what I, that's what I told myself is sort of like, it's not a good use of his time. I'll ask my coach. I'll look it up in Google. Like I don't need to ask him this. Stupid question. I just kept, kept him at arm's length and thank God, you know, yeah. but, but from the, from the perspective, just to answer the question, like, why do women get so close to him? Considering he's, he's such a garden gnome as my, as I like to refer to him. Um, if he was really good at rapport. And which is also a class they taught us. Rapport was so like matching somebody where they are, and so that you know, like when you're when you see an old friend and you're like feel really close to them, and you're like yeah. you're like you're in the same body position, and you're talking and sharing, and it's just like instant boom, like con- that connection. They taught us how to do that with people who you don't have rapport with, and that's a, a necessary like foundation for enrollment. Any sales, you have to be in rapport with someone.
0: Yeah, you know, really like. Kind of useful tool if it weren't for the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah, I
1: know. It's a totally useful tool. I happen to be good at it because I was a, like, that was just sort of who I am. Like I, I wasn't even thinking. I don't think about it. Like when I meet someone, I get into rapport with them right away. And some people just don't have that skill set and I, they had to yeah. learn it. And it it is really useful if it's not to manipulate and extort. <laughs> but like, you know, if, if you want to achieve certain things like, you know, like getting the the dinner reservation it's very. It's a very different thing if you're in rapport with the person and asking in a way that feels fluid and kind and respectful and in that person's world versus, you know, upfront or abrasive or disrespectful. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, yeah. so he's good at rapport and he's really good at figuring out what the women wanted and giving it to them. And so he took a lot of people on, it from the from the point of view of, um, you know, let me help you with this issue. And he was, and he did that. And then he'd, he'd be helping women with this issue. And ultimately he'd eventually say, and your biggest issue is your relationship issue. And I'm offering to coach you through your relationship issues, through a relationship with me and for women, especially the young women, especially the young women who had like daddy issues, you know, or, or a lack of a daddy or whatever, or a narcissist daddy or an absentee daddy or a drug addict daddy or whatever here comes. Here comes the warm kind daddy who's gonna fix everything yeah and that that's sort of like the general formula that I saw Luckily, I feel like I have a really good relationship with my dad and I think yeah. that also played into it like I didn't I didn't need that in my life so anyway that's so my that's my psychological not a therapist who sense <laughs> angle
0: <laughs> I guess so in addition to you know your relationships with Keith um you also had like very, strong friendship with Lauren and um just other women in the group and as much as you're comfortable talking about dos I guess if if you are comfortable sharing like what it was for those who don't know and kind of just how you got involved um, in I think because when people think of Nixium, I think it's the first thing they think of without they don't know like the whole, backstory and right just saw like the headlines sure headlines were basically what dos was so if you don't mind kind of explaining that yeah um...
1: so yeah and for most people what was in the headlines was not their experience of nexium most people just took a personal professional development program they were in a goals program they're working through their limiting beliefs so that they could excel in their life so when sex cult came out in the news they were like what yeah and i have to be be clear is is that like I don't like that that had to happen because it hurt a lot of people in the process. Uh, Unfortunately, it's sort of what needed to happen to get the authorities involved and to dismantle, which, which was ultimately, unfortunately, at its core, a sex cult. Yeah. It's just everything on the outer rim or the outer edge of the circle or the onion, if you can picture that, was the good stuff. And the abusive bad stuff was at its core. And that was Keith and the leadership. And he was sleeping with the executive board. He was sleeping with like, I mean, Nippy and I counted from the women that we know for sure. It was somewhere between like 40 and 60 people. Holy
0: shit. Yeah.
1: And at like any given time, his harem was probably around 12 to 15, with a core circle of maybe like seven, you know. But like the people that came in that he had sex, it was a lot of people. And you know, here's here's what I've since come to terms with. Like, you know, that's his private life in you know a man's sexual decisions is one thing the problem is is that this was a therapist this is a therapy based uh program where someone's an authority and a coach and helping people through their issues and that that's not appropriate for them to yeah. be doing with their clients and i i said in one interview like right at the beginning like if that's what he wants to do put it on his website yeah you like know really uh, a
0: complicated means to an end
1: yeah okay. for sure so it, it's that 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 lie of like, Hey, we're doing personal growth, but actually I'm using personal growth as a funnel to bring you into my harem. So I can lock you down for unlimited sex and control over your, your body and your money. Right? Like that's what, that's what, it, it, that's what a sex cult ultimately is, is a the cult, it has sex as part of the control and manipulation. It's mm-hmm. one, it's one of the ways. And he did, he controlled through other ways, having women on low calorie diets um, essentially starving them and starving their brain of, from the capacity to be able to think critically um, and controlling the way, you know, when, you know, when they slept, they had to keep their phone on at all hours so that he could reach out for anything just to be available. And he had these women obedient at his beck and call. So anyway, to, just to answer your question, about DOS, DOS basically came in in, in my last six months of being a member and I was invited to this women's group. And I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's so hard to explain how yeah. I got hooked without like, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book is that it very. it's even more laid out than in The Vow, which I love. And they did a great job of it's my little HBO headphones. Thank you, HBO. Oh. Um, I, you know, the, the, the Vow also laid it out really well, but the details of specifically how I got Blackmailed into committing and how I basically, Lauren, all the, the long and short of it is that Lauren, my best friend, invited me to join a secret women's group. Um, uh, was supposed to be unrelated to DOS, unrelated to Nexium, which of course is ridiculous now knowing um, you know, who was involved. It was, we found out later it was created by Keith. Um, but I was invited to this women's group. We're supposed to be about empowerment and the secret society, and we were gonna change the world. Again, he she appealed to my idealism. Other people didn't get that same pitch, by the way. So everyone's pitch was slightly tailored to what the person wanted. Super mm-hmm. manipulative. And, um, Oh, it's, it's just too, it, the, the details are so specific. And, and I, like, I, if people want to know the, 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 the full story, I'd say, read, read or listen to the book. I narrated the Definitely. audible, which is kind of cool. Um, but I ended up in this women's group that was supposed to be, you know, the next level of my growth. And, It's ultimately was the demise of Nexium because they recruited me into something. They just brought, I mean, they, they were so stupid to recruit me because as soon as I was in and saw what it was, I was like, guys, this is like, this is horrible. And it wasn't until I actually ended up having a conversation with Mark Vicente cut to months later after I'd been branded, which even though it was horrific, it didn't wake me up. It wasn't until I figured out that the brand was not a symbol for the elements. It was a symbol for Keith's initials in a monogram. Crazy. Yeah. So that was ultimately what made me put all the pieces together when Mark Vicente, the guy who recruited me originally 12 years prior, we had an open and honest conversation. He had heard certain things about women being um, given an assignment to seduce Keith and, and he didn't know about the branding and I knew about the branding, but I didn't know about the sex. But when we finally spoke and we're out of our little silos of secrecy, like terrorist cells, and we were sharing freely, we were able to see the full picture. And what DOS was essentially was a, um, a blackmail scheme, a blackmail MLM style. So like a pyramid scheme where Keith was getting women to be loyal for life. With blackmail on the, they call it collateral, but blackmail on the line through the form of nude photos, eventually things like, you know, one of my wake up calls in the flurry of wake up calls was Lauren asking for the deed to my home. Yeah. What? Right. <laughs> Not for her to use, but just for me to put on the line to make sure that I was loyal for life. Because what had happened is before Keith created DOS is he, women were leaving him. Mm-hmm. His, his right hand woman, Kristen Keith, left with his son. Which he had told the community was not his son, but it was his son, and I found that out later. And he, she had left, and other women were leaving, and like, and not staying loyal to him. So he had to find a way to lock down his supply of fresh women and money, power, sex, and everything. So, and sidebar: there was somebody who, um, when I when I got out and was public about it, reached out to me who had left. I think around two thousand nine or ten, um, and she said. Everything that I described with Doss was her experience when she was in Nexium. She was in the the harem. She was one of the women sleeping with Keith. It was the exact same. He would take photos of them, of the close-ups of their vaginas, and he um, had them at his beck and call.
0: Doss was like a formal version of what he'd always done. He just like made it into a thing. Yeah. And then I also, there was all those lawsuits that were coming out against him. So this was his way to like control the system.
1: Yep. So I hope I answered your question well enough, but yeah, the, the, it wasn't a sex cult, but it was a sex cult. So it's, it's a nuance. It's a nuanced answer.
0: (laughs) Definitely. And I guess, so obviously breaking the news of this whole organization was not an easy effort for anyone, especially with all the power they had. So how did you kind of find the power in you to be the, um, the whistleblower of all of this? What
1: gave me the capacity? Yeah, or like, yeah. like what
0: made you- what made what,
1: me decide to go forward? Mm-hmm. um Well, it wasn't the first decision. The first thing is we figured out we had to get out. And then as we were getting out and trying to like leave quietly because we knew what happened to defectors, we realized how many women had already been invited into DOS. Like, I, I think we figured out that 14 out of the 18 staff members of my Vancouver coaching group were already- in at different levels some had been branded some hadn't um and friends of mine like people women that i had brought in were now and like one of my best friends was slated to be branded like the next week that i was waking up so like the first thing was and she's married this is like my best friend (laughs) from a really long time ago that i brought into nexium that wasn't under me in dos that i figured out was in dos under somebody else and was slated to be branded with keith's initials and she's married to another man and i'm like She's the first person that I got out. And so it was first, it was like, okay, we've got to leave. Then it was like, no, we got to like let people know I can't leave my friends in the trenches back there. And then it was, and then it was very clear that we had to just go um, go full bore and make a, the biggest punch possible. Uh, originally we went to the, the authorities. They couldn't figure out what to make of it. Then we went to, and didn't do anything. And then we went to, um, Oh, and I also wrote the medical board of New York making a complaint about the branding, and they were like, "Sorry, it seems like a non-medical thing that you that happened. You can't do anything about it." And those two things were the basis of the story written by the New York Times, basically um, kind of calling out the New York um, authorities and and also wow. the the medical uh, I forget the name of it medical something of upstate New York. What? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so those are those are the basis of the article. And then we just like on, and, and in addition to that, they were coming after us. So we knew that we had to be, uh, you know, on the offensive from the beginning. And it was it was a matter of a couple of weeks that we were like, let's take this fucking thing down because we didn't have all the information even when we left. Even even when we whistle blew, we were like we were whistleblowing on a certain thing. And so much more worse stuff came out in the trial that we had no idea about. Yeah. So I'm so glad that we did because otherwise a douchebag would still be operating in upstate New York.
0: I guess, what advice would you give someone who is in some type of relationship with a narcissist, whether it be a cult, a romantic relationship, a friendship, just somewhere where, where someone's being put down and manipulated and gaslit and all of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say... Getting a, a therapist who is aware and skilled and trained in those things is super important. Um, there's a couple books I recommend. I have some resources on my website, Sarah Edmondson.com/slash resources. And one of the books is called Take Back Your Life by Yanya Lalich. And she really explains like how to heal from that stuff, how to extract your yourself. But I think you know the first thing is recognizing like you can't make it work. This person's never going to change. It's never going to be better. If you're being gaslit, put down, abused, manipulated, any of those things, like just get the fuck out as quickly as you can. And and first thing is make sure that you're safe, you know. And finding someone that you can trust to help you do that. Uh, but you're not like you're never going to be able to work with the person. They're never going to have therapy and then change. And it's never going to get better. You just have to get out.
0: That's yeah. My advice. I mean,
1: That's advice. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're in a cult, by the way, like I was, and you don't want to take it down and be a whistleblower, you just want to like move on with your life. The best advice I would say is come up with something that's, um, kind of indisputable, like a sick, a sick relative or parent that you need to get away from them, you know, for a good reason that the, the, and, and and even if it's like someone told us you need to be, you need to have a reason that's in line with something that they would perceive as like in our group, it's a personal development thing. So we had to leave for a reason that was in line with the things that they perceived as my issues. Does that make sense? Yeah. or no, Like you have to have like some, somebody left um, before me who gave me that advice and she, she had left and I had heard about this because her boyfriend at the time who wasn't a member, wasn't approving of her being involved in this. And she's like, well, I'm going to go pursue this relationship. So I'm going to like step away from the community. And we were like, well, see, she's like, she's oh, so de- She because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, she's so dependent. Like people could leave, people could leave next to him. It wasn't a compound, but if they did, they were like shunned. And also if they left, especially if they left on bad terms, but if they didn't leave on bad terms and they're like, yeah, I'm just like moving on with my life. It was always like, well, I guess they're never going to work through their issues.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, you see how stuck they are. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it, it de- you know, it, they weren't um, enemies until they were speaking negatively about the community, but they were definitely looked down upon and criticized internally for being weak or, you know, having, de- in her case, like dependency issues. Like her, she's attached more to her relationship than she is to personal growth. How sad. Yeah.
0: So I, you escape like yes. quietly. Yeah.
1: So like do that, like come up with some reason that would be like, in line with your, how you're perceived.
0: <laughs> that's, no, that's good advice. Yeah. And hopefully I won't like have to tap into that, but good to know. Um, yeah. So I always wrap up my podcast with a couple of questions, somewhat related to what we've talked about, but some are kind of unrelated. The first is, and this is, I don't know, if this could be really obvious or something completely different, but mm-hmm. what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it definitely, this whole thing has made me a stronger person. Um, also being a parent, you know, giving birth to, to, to children has made me stronger. Um, but yeah, like facing possibly my worst fears in terms of like, when it, going public with, with this helped me face something actually that I struggled with in Nexium for a long time, which is, you know, wanting to be liked and, here I am going like okay, I was part of this thing and there's a lot of hate that comes with that a lot of criticism overall it's been very positive but um, to go up against that fear and be on the other side has made me stronger because I feel pretty bulletproof
0: That's awesome and that's such a good interesting like end to the story kind of of want like working on something in an unhealthy environment but the irony of it you know actually, Making progress with it when you escape that unhealthy environment. Exactly. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by?
1: Hmm. When times are like hard, <laughs> when I'm in, in the shit of it, of anything. Um, this too shall pass has always been um important for me. And I uh, also in, in a positive way. Helps me stay present, but even if, like if something's really great, this too shall also pass. It would be more like enjoying, Enjoy yeah, enjoying the moment. It's really hard for me to stay present. It's, I'm I'm always struggling with that. So, um, that's a mo- that's something that I live by, and also, uh, and I'm a, a bit more hesitant with this one now. But it always like for twenty years was leap leap in the and the leap and the net will appear. That's also from the artist way, um. And I'm a bit, I like now. I'm not sure how I feel about that one, <laughs> because I I feel like that was part of what put me in the position of being an exam. Is like I don't know, I don't know all the answers. I'm just gonna leap, and then and the net will appear. Um, so that's a maybe. <laughs> that's a maybe.
0: It is a good quote though.
1: It is. I think so. You just gotta leap and leap and the leap. Google and the net will appear. <laughs> like do your research. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. When's your birthday, by the way? June 22nd. I'm a cancer, cancer. or or um, um, Gemini. Gemini depending on your if, what type yeah. of astrology
0: interesting I almost yeah. pegged you as a Virgo because I'm a Virgo and uh-huh. very like methodical but hard just, like can't stay in the present uh-huh. so um I don't know much about astrology though so I' am kind of
1: we'll save that for another one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
0: exactly um, what do you love most about yourself
1: hmm myself. Hmm. That's a good one. I don't know. Um, I think that I'm, I genuinely care about people and like to help people. And, and I like to be the person who can have the thing that the person needs, like in my purse, you know, you're you're getting sick. Oh, I have a package of vitamin C for you. (laughs) Like I, I like to take care of people and that that's a part of me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, you definitely seem like that type of person. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you're a really great mom. Thanks. That means a lot. <laughs> so my last question, which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city and the city can be Vancouver. It can be, you know, more abstract, whatever you want.
1: Mm-hmm. Right now it's microdosing mushrooms and going into the woods.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. That's,
1: that's what I do for my anxiety. It's not, doesn't, I don't get high. It just helps me kind of. Is the best way I can describe it. And, um, the woods here are very, they're beautiful and magical and very grounding. And I, you know, do my forest bathing and just try to be present, reconnect with nature and gets me out of the, of the city craziness. I live, you know, we live near downtown. I'm looking at it right now in this concrete, uh, jungle and it's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful, but it's also, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very city esque. So I have to make sure at least once a week I get out of it.
0: I was actually just in Seattle for like one of the first times in a lot. I haven't been there in so long and it was so beautiful. Just like the foliage was mm. like, I haven't really been in the Pacific Northwest that much, but it was just so beautiful and peaceful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Ah. Well, Sarah, thank you so thank much you. for taking the time to come on this podcast. Where we did everyone- it. <laughs> I know. Oh, this Only four so reschedules. <laughs> so sorry about that. It's okay. I've totally, I've had more reschedules, okay. so don't worry about it. Um, but where can everyone buy your book? I listen to the Audible. So, um, or I don't know if it was the book version or Audible. Apple Books are one of the two.
1: Yeah. Anywhere um, books are sold Amazon, Audible, um, most, or some bookstores. Um, and also we have our podcast, Nippy mm-hmm. and I, a little bit culty, anywhere you listen to podcasts and on Instagram as well. Those are the, I mean, that's really our main thing right now and raising children. <laughs> one more thing. For those people in something that's abusive or challenging, there's a movement called hashtag I got out for people who want to share their stories and, and blow the shame off the stigma of being conned or abused or, you know, caught up in one of these traps. So I encourage people to look for that also online.
0: Awesome. Well, I will plug all of that. Um, so thank you again. And bye everyone. Bye.